Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Stolen by Ehlers to Wheeler, back to Ehlers, scores! Kyle Connor has the Midas touch right now! And another outstanding stop by Connor Hellebuck! Check the shoot, score! Oh, what a slick move by Mark Sipley! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Episode 99 of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, joined here by 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds and Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton. Guys, uh, the Winnipeg Jets embark on another week of hockey here on the West Coast. Uh, But before we talk about what's ahead, let's review the past week. So, Paul, the Winnipeg Jets obviously are coming off back-to-back losses in Edmonton. Prior to that, though, they picked up a 4-3 overtime win over the Montreal Canadiens before departing for Edmonton. And then on earlier that week, Montreal nipped the Jets 4-2. So what did we learn about the Jets in the past week that we haven't seen before? Well, I think, Tyler, we've learned that perhaps the schedule is the great equalizer to everybody in the Scotia NHL's North Division. And Paul Maurice warned everybody about the fact that something was going to catch up to every single team. And maybe it has to the Winnipeg jets. They're one and three, as you mentioned over the course of the week split with Montreal and then lose two in a row to Edmonton. And for the first time this year, Winnipeg has lost back to back games. And for the first time since going back to February of 2020. So it tells me that the Winnipeg jets are just like every other team in their division, that they're going to have periods where it's going very well and swimmingly. And then there's going to be some swoons. And what you're trying to do is make sure that the swoons don't last very long. So an important week ahead, but we learned that maybe a little bit of frustration on the part of the Winnipeg jets after that game against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night, where it looked like the jets were kind of in control for 40 minutes and it seemed like Edmonton found another home in the third period so I think we'll certainly come to understand and respect a little bit more Winnipeg's ability to try to steer out of this how long it lasts maybe it could end in the first game against the Vancouver Canucks in the series because there's still five to go on this road trip Uh, But Winnipeg, I think, has been okay through all of this, and it's just a matter of getting through this most difficult part of the schedule, which has them playing seven games on the road over 12 days. It's another arduous part of the schedule in the month of March where they play 17 and 31, and they've only been home for a couple of days in two games. So we've learned a little bit about them being able to kind of handle this schedule on the road. They did a pretty good job the last time. Now we'll see if they can do it again in duplication fashion here with a couple of games coming up against Vancouver and then as you get to the weekend and then next week against uh, the Calgary Flames for three more. Yeah, and adversity is never a bad thing to face in a season. It's obviously how we all learn. So, uh, Mitchell, the power play, that's something that the Winnipeg Jets should be really proud of right now. As we record this podcast on Monday morning, they said seventh in the NHL at 25.8%. The past few seasons, Patrick Laine has held that left uh, slot shot, uh, so to speak, or left circle shot. Um, But things aren't the same anymore. And so they've really had to adapt and become a bit of a different setup. So they're having success. Why, Why do you think they're having the success they're having? Well, yeah, it's been interesting. You mentioned the the power play creeping up. Uh, the penalty kill has kind of slowly done the same thing over the course of the season. Now, the penalty kills kind of still remains middle of the pack. But like you mentioned, the power play has gotten into the top 10. And I think there's a couple of things to this. So you look over the past six games, Jets power play has got five goals, which includes a couple of back-to-back two-goal performances uh, against Toronto and Montreal. 
So a couple of things. It's impressive to keep improving the way that they have, especially given the lack of practice time to work on it. You mentioned Patrick Line was, you know, a big part of the power play. That whole formation really didn't change a whole lot over the course of about three seasons. So the fact that, yeah, you had uh, Line for one game this season, but then you had to make a quick pivot. Um, and there really hasn't been a whole lot of practice time. So to be able to, you know, kind of learn on the fly, if you will, without having a big run on power plays, like there's only been, you know, two, maybe three opportunities in a game throughout this season. Um, so to have it click as well as it has is certainly an achievement. The other side of it is the fact that the second unit uh, is also contributing. There's a near even split in ice time between the two units. It's a lot easier to be able to do that when both units are contributing. So you look, the second unit was the one that scored against Edmonton on Saturday. And when you have two units that can score, it gives the team a whole lot of confidence. And I think the next step that they'd like to see is have it cash in at some key points. Earlier in the season, it was doing that. Um, you look back at the, the start of the third period against Edmonton, they could have increased the lead to three to one. But I mean, that's a super specific example that we're looking at here. So we've seen a lot of good things from the power play. I'd expect that to continue. And, you know, the Winnipeg Jets have uh, high hopes and high aspirations uh, for what that power play is capable of. Speaking of high aspirations, well, the fourth line, Paul, uh, it's been extremely responsible at both ends of the ice. It chipped in a goal in that first game against Edmonton and throughout that entire series over the Oilers. It, it just seemed that every time Connor McDavid and Yesapoli and, uh, you know, Leon Dreisel, some of the, the big players that were on the ice, uh, Paul Maurice was throwing the fourth line out there. And I think at first you're a little trepidatious you're not quite sure what you're seeing and if they're going to be able to handle it but they took that job and ran with it so what did you see from that fourth line and, and why are they having such success right now well I think you have to go back and look at what Paul Maurice's plan was even a couple of years ago and he wanted a fourth line within his stable that was a group of veteran guys and he tried to have that last year when he had Gabriel Bork and then also with Mark Letestu unfortunately both guys got hurt and Bork ended up playing Mark Letestu did not so it didn't quite work out the way it was planned and executed this year you brought in Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis and you've had Matthew Perot and you've got three guys that are in their 30s that know how to play the game they've become very smart at doing the little things right and they become very responsible over their career defensively first. So that allows you to have the trust in them. If you're the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets as Paul Maurice has done. And certainly when you think that these guys are out there and you're watching in the last three, four minutes against Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, he has a trust level with this group because he knows that number one, the chances of Nate Thompson winning a face-off and whatever end it is are pretty good because he's above 50% over his time with the Winnipeg Jets. And then also the ability of those guys to scramble on the wings, any kind of draw that is a 50-50 puck. And then the other part of it is they know what they need to do to get the puck out and maybe get to center and dump it in. The fact of the matter is now that they're hunting the puck and spending a lot of time in the opposition zone. And here comes some offense from that line as well. And Matthew Perot, despite the fact that he does play some power play time, has seven goals this year. He's looking for a contract. So is Nate Thompson. So is Trevor Lewis if they want to play all three of them beyond this year. So there's that incentive as well. But I really think it comes down to the fact that you've got some older players here and knowing what was going to be 
in front of this team long ago, back in January when they were kind of planning and prepping for the 17 games in 31 days, 12 of 14 on the road, six straight weeks where you're playing every second day with a couple of back-to-backs thrown in there, you knew that you needed to have a fourth line. You just couldn't put all those extra miles on your top nine forwards. So Paul, I think, has tried to rule this out to make sure that he got his fourth line involved back in February, understanding what was coming ahead and forecasting this real sort of laborious month of the schedule. And I think he's been rewarded with the play from that from that fourth line. And as a result, they've been rewarded with more time. I think it was only a couple of games ago, guys. They were all in around that 11-minute mark. Paul has said in the, in the past that the sweet spot for a fourth line is in around that 10-minute mark. Well, they've kind of superseded that because they have played so well. And it's a real good, certainly, asset to have for the Winnipeg Jets at this point of the season, knowing what still lies ahead for them. But also, if you think again about getting into the postseason and how that's going to be a grind in and of itself, and it changes the way the game is played, you have a fourth line that's healthy and going as this fourth line is for the Jets right now. I think they're in pretty good stead moving forward with the group that they have there. And it's all because, as uh, one guy has reported, it was Kelly Moore from 680CJ, he called them the dirty 30s because they're all guys that are in their 30s now that know how to play the game and are very responsible. Yes. The dirty 30s. Is that what I have to look forward to, uh, guys? Bad nicknames for me? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Only yeah, a few absolutely. more months. Um, speaking of somebody who's also in their 30s, uh, Paul Stasny uh, on Monday in Vancouver, he will play game 977. And that's the same amount that his dad, Peter Stasny, played uh, in his NHL career. So, Mitchell, just uh, maybe just a note on Paul Stasny and just how special that milestone must be for him. I'm sure he'll get asked about it at the morning skate today. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's talked, you know, numerous times about the influence that his dad has had on, on his uh, NHL career. And you almost run out of uh, superlatives for what he's meant to the jets this season. I mean, every line he's been put out this season has benefited from his presence. Like honestly, the best way to sum it up might be from the mic'd up video uh, from Andrew cop, where there's a moment uh, in the game where cop leans over to Stastny on the bench and just kind of says, I catch myself so many times during the game saying nice play Stas, nice play Stas. And it's just, it's constantly like that. He's just such a consistent hockey player. And clearly he has the respect of every player on the Jets roster, not only the vet, not only as a veteran player who's creeping towards a thousand NHL games, but also just because he's a guy who's genuinely interested in his teammates and their play. Like he's got a bunch of knowledge in that career that's seen him put up about 744 points, I believe is what he has at this point. And he doesn't hesitate to share that with young players. Like how many times after practice have we seen him talking with young guys, helping them with drills? You know, there's a reason he can fit between wingers like Andrew Kopp and Nikolai Ehlers like he was earlier this year. But there's also a reason that he can be on the wing with veterans like Shifley and Wheeler and also have success. So getting him back in the fold this season was huge for the Jets and it continues to pay dividends uh, for the team. And I think for, for Paul Stastny as well, who really enjoys um, playing on this team, wherever line Paul Maurice puts him on. If I can interject gentlemen, one more thing too about that. And I think this thousand game milestone is just so tremendously important and impressive but I do believe if you extrapolate the games that 
that Paul Stastny is going to play his 1,000th game in the second last game of the regular season, of course, if he mm-hmm. stays healthy. So he'll hit the 1,000 game mark in a Winnipeg Jets uniform. So that's kind of special as well. Absolutely. Really? And let's knock on wood to make sure he gets there um, because I'm weird like that. Anyway, uh, Logan Stanley, he is our guest this week. Uh, talked about a lot of different things, including March Madness, uh, you know, so that we got that going for him. Uh, Netflix and uh, a few other things. Oh, and by the way, we talk a little hockey too. So enjoy the interview. Hi, this is Josh Morrissey, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here on the Ground Control podcast by Jets defenseman Logan Stanley. Logan, as we sit here in Edmonton recording this on a practice slash off day, uh, whatever you want to label it, um, you know, what keeps you busy on the road? You know, what types of things are you doing outside of hanging out in the the team room that uh, are keeping you busy? I think uh, lots of sleep, getting lots of rest. uh, When uh, you're playing so often, you got to sleep when you can. So doing that. And uh, now that the March Madness started, uh, guys are watching that and and having fun, uh, you know, watching it together. Did you fill out a bracket? I did fill out a bracket, uh, a lot of guesses. So enlighten the viewers. Who did you pick? I'm not a March Madness guy, so I, I don't really know what I'm talking about here, so I'll let you be the expert. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I have uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga winning. Okay. They're supposed to be pretty good, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I just picked some schools that uh, I thought that I might like going to and, <laughs> and uh, um, schools with cool names. Okay, there we go. So uh, expert analysis from Logan Stanley on March Madness. We'll see how that plays out. Um, one more for you just about being on the road. Uh, are you a Netflix guy? Are you read books? What, what are you into? Uh, yeah, lots of Netflix. Uh, actually reading some of Nick Lindstrom's book. Okay. Um, that's really good, but uh, I can't seem to read for too long. I get distracted. So. <laughs> but yeah, lots of Netflix. That's good. What are you watching on Netflix? Uh, the new F1 show, uh, season three just came out. I'm going to watch some of that and then, um, actually looking for a new show to watch right now. All right. Well, I'm watching Superstore right now. It's okay. like a sitcom kind of comedy. Yeah. It's like office meets parks and rec. It's kind of okay. funny. So recommended for sure. Um, as we record this, you're 18 games in your NHL career. Has there been a, a welcome to the NHL moment for you where, whether it was Paul telling you, Hey, you're in for tonight in Toronto or, Connor McDavid screaming down the wing and you're like oh boy yeah I think maybe my my just my first game being in Toronto um would be the the closest game to home for me even though there's no no fans and no family there but um just pretty cool being able to play the first game against the Leafs and then um you know having wheels come up to me before the game and and just say good luck and and um you know have fun with it because you only get one first game that was pretty cool and and something I'll remember yeah one of the things I've noticed is you know just away from the ice you really seem to be relishing the opportunity to you know associate yourself with the veteran players and whether it's sitting at a table with Blake Wheeler and Paul Stasny just how valuable has that been to just sort of soak everything in yeah for sure I think uh they're awesome guys and and everyone's been you know, very good to, to welcome me to the team, and, and that's been awesome. But just to be able to sit there and kind of listen to those guys talk and tell stories is pretty cool for a guy like me. So, um, like you said, just trying to soak it all in. You know, is was there ever a moment, like, where you're like, oh, I don't know if I should sit here, or like, you know, I mean, you're a, def- you're a rookie, but you're definitely older. You're not some 18-year-old kid coming in. Yeah, I think uh, we had a team dinner in uh, Toronto, Um a couple of weeks ago and 
uh, my meal came out before wheels is did <laughs> and I was looking back over my shoulder and I did not want to cut into my steak before he got his food and finally he looked at me and said Stan don't let that steak get cold <laughs> start eating so that was pretty funny but uh no the guys are great uh what have you been able to to learn from guys like that just about on the ice stuff oh I think they're so knowledgeable because they've played for so long and and so many little tips on just you know picking up passes and and simple stuff that they're still working on and and um you know you realize that you have to master the the simple things to be a good hockey player and and even guys like you know Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele are still working on those simple parts of their game so um just being able to do that with them and and just pick up on little stuff all uh during practice or or whatever it is so think back to the the draft in 2016 what are your memories of that weekend in Buffalo yeah that was a, a great weekend I had lots of family and friends there um and, you know, I, I didn't really know what was going to happen on draft day. Um, I kind of had an idea about where I might get picked in the range. But, um, you know, when I heard my name called and, and you get to hug your mom and dad and, and my brother, um, just a special memory and something I won't forget. What were those meetings with the Jets like leading into that draft day? Well, I think my combine interview went pretty well. Um, it's all kind of a blur at the combine because it's two days and, and I had, 29 or 30 meetings with teams so um they're long days and and you're just so nervous and and anxious about everything so um looking back I wish I would have slowed down and and maybe taken it in a little bit more but as a young kid you're just excited and nervous all at the same time so what was the weirdest question you got at the combine you don't have to say which team asked you by the way I think uh St. Louis had a couple weird ones they I think they had a mental coach there and one of the ones was if an airplane flew over the top of your house and dropped a bag of money in the back your, in your backyard, what would you do? And I was thinking about it like I had no money at the time playing junior and stuff. I'm like a bag of money sounds pretty good. Might but skim a little off the top. <laughs> I'm like I don't know. Go ask, ask my dad what to do. Like you know I don't know. But um, it's a weird question. It is a weird question. But I I just think like as you look back on it now. I think they're just trying to see what your personality is like and, and uh, you know, kind of what kind of kid you're like. Yeah. Everybody's path to the NHL is, is different, obviously, and you've plotted yours the way you have. How were you able to use that extended off season to get where you are today? Because, I mean, coming into this season, Logan Stanley's name for everybody outside the organization was not at the top of the list. So how were you able to get where you are right now? I think the extended off season might have helped me for sure. Um, I was pretty determined this year that I wanted to make the Jets, and uh, I wasn't very happy with my season last year. A um, couple bad injuries and or tough injuries, and and just not happy with my overall play. So um, I felt like I had something to prove, and and I I feel like uh, you know Winnipeg traded up to get me, and and uh, you know I had to show them that that uh, it was the right move to do it. What were some of the changes that you made? Was it on ice stuff? Was it fitness related? Yeah, I changed a little bit how I trained and, and um, got away from some things I was doing before, which, you know, were a good workout, but maybe not the best for, for how I needed to train. And just getting on the ice more, I think, uh, some smaller group stuff and then got to skate with Shife a lot this year. Um, you know, he was back home for a while, so that was great. And, um, you know, I think we all know how good he is and, and he's in great shape. So 
uh, being able to go on ice with him all the time was really good for me. I know you mentioned the the tough injuries, but just how valuable was it to get that time with the Manitoba Moose and and their system? Yeah, for sure. I think coming into my pro career, I figured I was going to play in the AHL and and have to develop. So, um, you know, I love my time with the Moose. The the coaches are great there, um, have helped me a lot for sure. And and just learning that pro life and, and how to play pro hockey and, you know, it's a job now, so... Um, I love my time there, and, and um, you know, hopefully I can stick up here now. I know you have nothing to compare it to, but, you know, the hockey community is small. Just how important is it to have that consistency between your NHL club and your AHL club? Not just being in the same city, but, you know, same systems. And, you know, you look at the Jets roster right now, it seems like half of the guys played on the moose at some point. So just how valuable is it just to have that symmetry across both teams? Well, I think it's it's great being in the same city and, and – um, but definitely the biggest thing is playing the exact same systems. Um, and you don't have to change anything when you, you know, do get into the NHL because you've done that with the Moose. And, um, you know, we talk about a lot of the same stuff with the Moose as, you know, as Paul does up here. So, um, you know, I think it's great for young players to have that. You're a, a defenseman, so you're surveying the play as it's coming to you. How much quicker or different is the NHL versus the AHL or or the difference is just small and sharp, I guess. Yeah, I think they're, you know, there's still guys in the AHL who are fast and, and big and strong. So um, I think the biggest difference is just how smart guys are and, and um, they can make those plays at high speeds. Um, but I think uh, also you get, you know, when you're on the ice with, with Scheif or, or any of our forwards for that matter, they're always going to be in a good position to get the puck and, and to support you. So um, there is differences, but um, I think definitely just the skill level. Yeah. For you, you're 18 games in now. What are the things when you're playing in the NHL that make you successful? What are the things that you have to do well to have a good game that night? Well, I think it starts off in my own end, defensively being strong and hard to play against, and then just making that first pass, getting it into our forwards' hands. We've got a great group of forwards, so you know give them the puck as quick as I can and and just play hard defensively and you know um you know if I need to PK that's part of my role too so um just simple and 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 getting pucks through and when I do get it on the offensive blue line but first pass and and good defensively what are some of the things that has allowed you to get the shots in from the point I mean it seems like every whistle it's a Logan Stanley wrister from the point I mean just how tough is it to get those pucks through with consistency yeah I think it starts with a, a good pass from from our forwards from the corner from wherever wherever it is in the zone um, but I think just having a long reach and being able to change the angle of my my shot um, you know, I used to work on my shot a lot when I was a kid in our unfinished basement and, and beat up the walls pretty good. So I think just, uh, yeah, having a long reach definitely helps. And, and um, you know, it d- does help that our forwards make a good first pass and gives me an extra second to make a play. You've always been the tall guy on the team. So just what is it like to just be the big man on the ice sort of thing? Yeah, it's fun. I, I try not to think about that too much, but uh, it's part of my game and, and definitely have to uh, use my size. Do you look at Guys like Zdeno Chara that, you know, is similar in height and just what his game's able to do, like, do you model yourself after him just because of the height or not really? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, he's had a, you know, Hall of Fame career and, and definitely watched him a lot when he was in Boston and and uh, such a dominant player. And, um, you know, you look up to those guys, uh, 
and, and definitely try and model your game after them. Him and even a guy like Shea Weber I used to love watching as a kid, just imposing and physical. So those are guys that, uh, you know, I used to watch when I was a kid and, and try and, um, you know, take part of their game and put it in mine. Uh, Nelson Noje, I'm deeming him the unofficial captain of the taxi squad. Um, you know, just the best guy away from the rink and ev- everywhere in between. Just how important has it been for you to have him around? I know you guys played together in Manitoba. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I can't say enough good things about Noj. We've lived together the last two years and then uh, we're right across, across the hall from each other this year in, in our apartment. So, um, we're pretty close. He's a great guy, and, and I'm so happy I've been able to kind of go through the the season with him and uh, have him there for support or whatever, or, or he can have me there, and, and it's just been, been great so far. How much of a mental grind is it to – I mean, you spent some time on the taxi squad. How, how, like, you're not playing games. You're a hockey player. That's what you want to do, but you realize that there's a role there to play clearly, but, you know, you're just not getting the game action. Just how – tough is that it is tough because everyone wants to play and compete and um you know be out there trying to help the team win but um I think the guys have been great this year uh positive attitudes and and just a really hard-working bunch of guys and the coaching staff's been good too they know when uh you know to have a lighter skate or or work us harder so um it's been great but uh, a good group of guys who are positive and, and want to see the team have success. On uh, Thursday night in the game against Edmonton, there was a moment, I think, LB stopped the puck and Zach Cashin and you were having a bit of a back and forth. And then I think he kind of looked and thought, oh, this guy's really huge, so I'm going to back off. Just what was that conversation like? And has there been other instances through your time so far where guys are like, yeah, I'm not messing with this guy? Yeah, I think uh, I was just doing my job and boxing him out. And he's a pretty tough customer. And- yeah. And the guy who's been around uh, for a long time, I got a lot of respect for for Cassian. So um, it was a good battle, and and he had some choice words for me, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Are you learning some uh, some new beaks as you move up the ranks? Yeah, yeah. There's some <laughs> been some good ones. Actually, uh, Adam Lowry's has some funny ones that that kind of make me chuckle on the bench sometimes. Any you can share? Um, I probably won't share them. No, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it been like to just? adjust to life as an NHLer I feel like it's just probably a little bit different it is a little bit different obviously we're nice hotels and and uh, a nice team playing but at the end of the day I'm here to play hockey and and uh, that's priority number one so um, you know it's a life that every kid dreams of, of living and and I'm just trying to enjoy it you know one day at a time and and uh, you know hopefully I can keep living this for a long time well, we hope uh, hope so too. Last one uh, for you, Logan. I checked your Instagram. Half the picks are of golf. So tell me about your golf <laughs> game. What's your handicap? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Oh, I got a lot of weaknesses and not <laughs> many strengths. But uh, I love golf. Going outside and and um, you know in the summertime after you do your workout and skate stuff like that, it's an easy way to uh, be outside and be active. But uh, I don't know if it's the clubs or what, but uh, i got to work on my game. Yeah, it's the clubs for sure. (laughs) Logan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Shop where the players shop. Jetsgear and truenorthshop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jetsgear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. Thanks so much to Logan Stanley for taking the time in Edmonton to sit down with me for that interview. Enjoyed it as always. All right, uh, moving ahead to the next week, Winnipeg Jets have four games on the schedule, starting with Monday in Vancouver, 
following that up with another one against the Canucks on Wednesday and then Friday, Saturday in Calgary. And then the road trip ends off next Monday, a week from the day we record this in Calgary as well. So, uh, Paul, what are we looking at this week with the Winnipeg Jets? Obviously, the the Jets have had some success and some troubles against the Vancouver Canucks and Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, the Jets have had their way with them a little bit, but the Calgary Flames have shown that they're they're fighting back in their in their schedule as it moves along. Uh, so what are we looking for this week? Well, I was asked a long time ago not to use cliches when I was stuttering, stuttering, <laughs> when I was studying <laughs> and maybe stuttering my way through school as well <laughs> at Red River. But I will use a cliche. It truly is one game at a time right now for the Jets to get through this road trip. And I think it's not really anything more than physical beyond the mental side of this, because I would tell you that the 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 nature of the way things are going with COVID-19 and the, the reclusiveness that you have to have, that you're forced in having in hotel rooms and not being able to get out and about and not even generally socialize with your teammates in a way and fashion that you used to has made it very difficult on players to kind of soldier through this. So, Right now, I think for the Jets, it's all about getting through this road trip and then getting that past. And then if you can hold water to where you are and you're entering this game against the Vancouver Canucks to start the series and you're four points out of first with one game in hand on Toronto, you're two points out of second with three in hand on Edmonton, you're trying to hold off Vancouver right now, you've got four in hand on them and three points up. And then after that, it's Calgary who's trying to stay relevant as well. So you have some teams in Vancouver and Calgary coming up this week that are desperate. But I would tell you the Winnipeg Jets are as well. I mean, they do not want to go beyond two the losing skid or beyond two games without accumulating some sort of a point points are so important right now so I think from the mental standpoint if you can just grind it out three periods at a time one game at a time move into the next game get prepared for that one you'll find yourself coming out of this okay I don't know what they need to have in the remaining five games of the road trip to feel satisfied but like I said if you can hold water and kind of stay where you're at in that third spot and stay within striking distance of the first two spots in your division I think you'll be okay and it starts probably with a game tonight in Vancouver where I can tell you that yes the Vancouver Canucks have posed a bit of a problem for the Winnipeg Jets this year but the Jets are three and two in the five game series and they've won two in a row in Vancouver so that bodes well for Winnipeg going into this series against the Canucks and we'll see what happens but I do believe that as cliche as it is you're just looking ahead at the next game and that's all you're focusing on for the week. Yeah, and, and Mitch, Paul sort of touched on it here as well, but just maybe to get you to expand on it, just what do you make of the state of this Scotia NHL North Division? I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, as we record this, are four points out of first place uh, as uh, Edmonton and Toronto are tied at 42 points. Uh, Vancouver's creeping on their heels with 37, Vancouver with 35, and Calgary with 33. It just seems so competitive and and points are so valuable every single night. So just what do you make of where the Winnipeg Jets sit in the standings and just how, uh, how things may shake out? You know, I'm sitting uh, at my place after the, uh, the Oiler game on Saturday. Um, after all the post-game work is done, of course, and uh, having a, an adult beverage while watching <laughs> some of the highlights of other games. And 
so the Jets have lost their second game in a row in regulation. I'm thinking, you know, man, like this is such a, a tough spot to be in. You're looking at the standings. And then, then I thought, like literally every team in the North has lost two games in a row at some point. Yes, like you certainly want to avoid it, but like this stuff happens. And I think Andrew Cobb kind of mentioned that in his post game uh, on Saturday as well. Sometimes just the scrutiny of playing in Canada, it feels like two losses in a row is, you know, a, a statement on where the team is and where they're going. Like, are there things to improve? Of course. But again, everything, every team has things that they want to improve. You know, Montreal just won their first game that went past 60 minutes over the weekend. You think of the success the Jets have had in overtime up until this point of the season. Toronto at one point had lost five of six. Edmonton had their struggles. Same with Calgary. Ottawa's working to find consistency as they build into the team that they want to be. Sometimes what would be considered kind of like a regular storyline in a normal 82-game season is magnified given the condensed schedule and from playing in Canada. So with all that being said, I think what's made this division so competitive is that every team has you know, incredible young talent. Every team has the ability to play fast. And a number of the teams in the division have expectations within their own dressing room and expectations from the outside world, if you will. So throw it all together. It's made for a real fun season so far. And I think we've kind of said throughout this podcast that, you know, you you would expect, and the Jets have given you every piece of evidence to, to be able to believe this, that you know, they're going to be able to bounce back. You, you want to make sure that you'll, okay, now that you're at two consecutive regulation losses, we're able to move past that um, and nip that kind of where it is. And it starts, you know, potentially Monday night against the Vancouver Canucks. That would be where you would want to uh, stop it. The Jets have had some success in Vancouver. So something to go into the game with that, but yeah, the Canadian division, the Scotia North division, whatever you want to call it, or I think Paul Maurice has even called it the fishbowl uh, at some point. It's It's been entertaining. It's been fun. Um, so we'll, it's going to be quite the finish over the next, you know, 27, 28 games. I think I speak for all of Jets fans when I say we cannot wait to see how it all plays out. Anyway, gentlemen, I think that just about wraps it up for episode 99. Uh, but before we end... You know, we're hitting a big milestone next week on Ground Control, the official podcast Ooh. of the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. Um, and if the listeners have listened up to this point, you should listen a little longer. I think uh, maybe we should take some questions from the listeners uh, if sure. they want. So if you have any questions, whether it's on Jets and well, it should just be mostly on Jets, I would hope. Uh, but anything in between that has to do with the Winnipeg Jets, feel free to fire your questions over to Jets TV at TNSE.com. And uh, we'll try and get to some of those questions uh, next week on episode 100. So that's Jets TV at TNSE.com. Anyway, we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. You should do a best of. Ooh, yes. that's a good idea for number 100 best of in terms of interviews and stuff. You think? Yeah. Best of. Yeah, sure. And just, and have a whole panel, you know, like, Hey, Beautiful. I remember when you guys did this and that was really funny. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to create more work for you. Guys. <laughs> I was just going to say, this sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it's better than my idea of best Mitchell Clinton takes. There weren't very many of those, unfortunately. Oh. So that must have felt far more time. <laughs> well, we could self-deprecating. This is, this is good. You know, this is really good. Let's get into self-deprecating the outtakes of yes. the 99 previous episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if we wanted to know the best of Mitchell Clinton, we'd just ask your mom. If we wanted to know the best of me, we'd just ask my mom because, you know, they Very listen true. to every episode. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good week, everybody.
Send us your questions. Please do. Enjoy. Go Jets. Go. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.